Hi, this is Dr. MJ coming to you from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. This is the Women in Dentistry podcast where we feature women in dentistry making waves and leading the industry through the next decade. I am your host, Dr. Mary Jane Hanlon, a former dental assistant, dental hygienist, and now dentist. I am very pleased to introduce you today to Ms. Barbara Kazam. Barbara is the founder of Barbara Kazam Speaking and Consulting. She's an award-winning international speaker and trainer specializing in customer service and the patient experience. Barbara has delivered over 1,700 presentations to 75,000 people in 12 countries. Her audiences include employees of Kaiser, United Healthcare, and the FBI, to name a few. She's known for her high energy, high impact delivery, outrageous wit, and ability to tackle real issues posed by her audience. In 2019, Barbara was chosen as the top customer service consultant of the year by the International Association of Top Professionals. Also in 2019, Barbara was awarded the CSP for Certified Speaking Professional from the National Speaker Association. She's one of only three women in the world to have achieved both this designation as well as the Toastmaster accredited speaking designation. It is now my pleasure to bring you to my interview with Ms. Barbara Kazam. Barbara, I am so excited to have you on the show today because, you know, when we first met on a boat in the middle of the ocean, little did I know that we were going to get to be so friendly and be able to spend time with each other. So I'm really excited to introduce you to my audience. So if you would mind telling them how you got involved in the industry of dentistry, because you're not a hygienist and you're not a dentist, but you are servicing and helping dentists all over the country. So tell us a little bit about your story. I graduated from college with a degree in chemistry of all things. So I have a kind of a technical background, but I worked as a chemist for 10 years until I realized I didn't like it. (laughs) It took you 10 years? Yeah, yeah, I know, I'm a slow learner. But, and I was at the point where, and I don't know if you've ever been in this position, I was good at my job, but I just didn't like it. So then I had to think, well, what part of my job do I like? Well, only 10% of my job I loved. And that was when I had to train someone on something like a medical equipment or whatever the the training was. So I quit being a chemist and then I joined on with a seminar company called Skillpath Seminars. I've seen them. Yeah. So for 10 years, I traveled all over the world. It was fantastic. I got to train all sorts of people. But after 10 years of that, there's a theme here, MJ. So after 10 years of doing that, I felt like I was a robot. I wasn't making long-term impact, but I love speaking. Like I knew that was what I was supposed to be doing. So I quit that 10 years later, started my own company in customer service. Well, my very first customer was a healthcare company. So that's how I got into healthcare. And then dentistry just followed right along with that. So now doctors, medical and dental doctors and practices are who I work with now, almost exclusively. Wow, that's very cool. So tell us a little bit about what it's like to build a speaking consulting career. And then in addition, you know, like, 
give us some more details about your customer service process and, and how that helps our practices be more successful. Well, building the speaking business is... <laughs> Especially now during COVID. <laughs> it's a constant challenge. And of course, last year with the whole pandemic, you know, we had to do a, what, you know, a 180 with the whole in-person versus Zoom. So for me, it's constantly a work in progress. For me, 90% of my clients are referrals or people who have seen me speak, they will hire me or tell others. So that's really what I might go to is referrals. But regarding customer, oh my gosh, I am a freakazoid about customer service and the patient experience because it's, first of all, cheap. Like it's the number one marketing tool of most practices. If you, you can surpass your competition by simply delivering an extraordinary patient experience. You know, mm -hmm. we're, we, the way you answer the phone for goodness sakes nowadays, uh, oh my gosh, have you called a company? And you're on, I was 83 in line on whole. I was, there were 83 people. Are you kidding me? So, I mean, if we can just deliver a great experience at every touch point on the website, is your phone number there? And are you checking reviews? And are you answering the phone? And when they walk in and when they drive in and every touch point, if we can deliver an extraordinary experience you will far surpass your competition. And guess what? Price doesn't matter anymore. It's not about price. It's about the experience. So I, that's what I work with my clients on every touch point. How can we maximize every touch point to create that extraordinary experience? And it doesn't take a lot of money, just a little bit of effort. So how has how this touch point situation changed? Because now patients are waiting in the car, right? Now patients are masked and we're masked and we have all this stuff on, you know, quite honestly, if you have a new patient coming into your practice, they literally don't know what you look like because how can they tell underneath all this stuff? So how, how do we create that bond in a relationship and engage and, and develop that trust without being able to see each other? It's, Still possible. I can tell if someone's wearing a mask, right? I can still tell if they're smiling or not. I know. And like eye contact is probably more important than ever, but it's even little things like, for example, I went to the dentist, my dentist a month ago. And the process is you pull into the parking lot, you text when you arrive, right? So I texted, Barbara Kazam is here. No reply, nothing for five minutes. So now I'm freaking out, right? I'm in the car and I'm like, oh my gosh, did they get the message? And uh, oh, well, did I use the wrong number? So for five minutes, I am anxious because now, uh oh, I'm going to get fined if I'm late. I'm going to go to the bottom of the queue. Like that's a touch point. That's a mistake, right? So as soon as they send that text, someone needs to send a text back saying, we've got your text. We'll text you when we need you to come in, relax, right? Like that, just those little things. So it's the same thing, right? It's just analyzing each of those touch points, which are slightly different and seeing how we can maximize it. So from a technology perspective, and I'll get to why I'm asking you this question, 
from a technology question, so let's just say that you, the person at the front desk just stepped away to help with an emergency, right? Mm-hmm. Couldn't they have an automatic response that responds, thank you for letting us know, we'll text you as soon as we're ready for you? Yes. Okay. Something. <laughs> Why wouldn't practices do that? It seems like a no-brainer to me. I don't know the technology pieces of this, so I don't know. Is it is it that hard to set up an automatic reply? I would think not. So I don't know. I don't know why they, maybe they don't realize, they don't care. I don't know. Here's what I've noticed. The practices that are mo- the most successful are the ones where the lead doctor and the lead administrator are in touch with this stuff. You know, when, when the doctors are like, oh, that's not my job you know, oh, I don't, you know, whatever. Those are the ones I I can't work with because I I can't see long-term success and they're not open-minded enough. But the ones who have like the big eyes and they're they're asking the front desk folks, what kinds of comments are patients giving? I want to hear them. You know, those are the ones that we can, that I can work with and that will have long-term success. So walk us through the rest of your, your visit and how did the rest of the visit go? And you know, I'm sorry, I've got a million questions. So <laughs> because of this first incident, once you, once you got the message that, you know, that they knew, recognized that you were there, how long did it take for them to call you in? That's a good question. I think right after they, I think it, the acknowledgement and the come in was the same text. So it was five minutes, right? So that, but that's not, that's not good. Okay, so you go in. I, you know, I want to walk us, our audience through the customer experience, right? And just in case there's some that really don't know and understand what we're talking about, let's walk them through it. And, you know, as a dentist, I can ask you all the questions as to, you know, what happened at each touch point. So you go in, did you go right into the chair or did you stop and talk? Went into the uh, reception area. And I've been going to these people for probably five years, so I know them. But the receptionist that I know, her name is Sarah, and she has a problem with her finger. There was like, there was no greeting, you know, like she knows I'm coming in. My name is Barbara, right? Like what was missing was, hi, Barbara, good to see you again, right? Glad you're here. Glad you made it back, right? But no, she just didn't, she didn't say anything actually. So I just sat down, assuming that's what I was supposed to do. That was my next touch point. Now, were, were the same number of chairs in the waiting room that were, that were there before? No, that's a good question. No, they were, they were appropriately spaced in there. Yeah, it's interesting how much we've had to change everything. Okay, so you don't get any, any acknowledgement from the front desk staff. Obviously, a touch point that they fail to maximize on. Because you're absolutely right. Barbara, how are you doing? How'd you make it through COVID? We're so happy to see you, blah, 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 right? Right, exactly. Right. Make you feel good that you you chose them as a dental practice. Okay. That's right. Because I got to insert this is that the number one patient, the driver of patient satisfaction is human connection. Of course. 
It's not the text, it's not the papers, it's using their name and, and making them feel special. And like that stuff doesn't take a lot of time. It's looking at their chart and going, oh yeah, last time she was here, she, had, she was going to Africa. Let's ask about Africa, right? I mean, why do you want to with that? How was your trip to Africa, Barbara? <gasps> Mind blown. You remembered? Yeah, exactly. Exactly, okay. So you go into the chair and were you having a cleaning done or, or work done? Yep, just a cleaning. Okay, it's never just a cleaning, Barbara. It was a fantastic cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> it was an important procedure. So you see your, your wonderful hygienist? No, before her is another lady. And I don't know who she is. I don't know what her role is because she's, not, she's wearing a name badge but doesn't introduce herself. So, but she did the x-rays. Ah. She didn't ask if I wanted x-rays. She just said, you're due for x-rays. So did them. <laughs> so it was that person. A couple of red flags there, right? Mm -hmm. One, she didn't introduce herself. Two, she didn't ask you, ask permission, right, to get consent. She just assumed that you were going to do it. Now, as a patient, Obviously, you had a choice, right? You could say something. Well, I didn't, I knew because in the past they would ask, do you want to, you're due for x-rays, do you want to have them done? But this time she didn't ask. So it, I felt weird say, saying anything, right? I was like, well, I guess I have to have them. You know, like I, I did, <laughs> I didn't know what to do, so I, did they, did they write down what you do for a living? Oh, yeah. They, no, they don't care. I've told them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's keep going. Yeah. So then uh, she does her thing. Oh, they offered some luxuries like a, um, what would she offer me? Like a, a heat neck something or whatever. Neck roll. Yeah. It was a heated something and I'm like oh okay I'll try it but like I'm already hot enough as it is so like I put it on for two seconds and I'm like get this thing out of here <laughs> so I guess it was supposed to be nice or something but for me it wasn't well yeah maybe it was supposed to be relaxing but you're already worked up by now yeah but I was already anxious about the whole thing and then uh, the hygienist came in at that point didn't introduce herself Apparently she and I had met before, but I hadn't, I didn't remember. Yeah. So I felt bad because I I was telling her how my teeth are really, you know, really super sensitive. She goes, yeah, I know, you know, I've done them before. I was like, oh, so it would have been nice if she had introduced herself, you know? So that part was okay. You know, she was very good with the, with the cleaning and the instrumentation, all that stuff. You weren't gushing blood by the end. Not gushing. No. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So then you, you wrap up with the hygienist. Does the doctor come in and visit with you? He did. Yes. Yes. He came in and looked at the whatever's x-rays. <laughs> yeah. So that was part was okay. I've met, I've known this guy too. And he, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't feel a lot of love. You know, he just came in, did his thing, you know, and got out. He did mention about how I'm because I'm always very nervous going to the dentist. So I was like, my legs were moving up and down and he's like, oh yeah, this one's very active or something. All right, so how did you feel after all of that? 
Well, it was just kind of like, oh, this is something I got to do. You know, like I'm not super warm. If I, if, if a better, if I met a better dentist or someone who, if I met, if I met someone who interested me, I would change in a heartbeat, but to go through the, the hassle of changing right now. Yeah. So interesting observations, because from both sides, you being a professional in customer service, me being obviously a dentist and you acting as a patient, we miss these opportunities if we get busy in our practices and don't pay attention. That's right. So how many patients are in our practices that are thinking exactly the same way you are thinking? Exactly. See, the problem with satisfied customers, sat, like I'm satisfied, right? Satisfied flux, fl- customers are flexible. Yeah. They're very easily wooed by someone who's going to treat them better. And there's a lot of people who are going to do that. So we can't be satisfied with satisfied customers. That's not good enough. We've got to create loyal ones. Loyal and raving. Raving fans. That's right. That are like, oh my gosh, I can't wait. I can't wait to go back. (laughs) Because if, so let's just, let's just backtrack. Okay. So if you had walked in and, you know, at your first interaction, first touch point, as you call it, you know, so-and-so at the front desk, oh, Barbara, how are you? How was the trip to Africa? Were you so excited? We can't, did you bring pictures? Right. Then you would be like all excited, right? Exactly. And then you would go sit down, you'd wait your turn. And, but, but through the whole thing, you're probably chatting away back and forth about your experience and what was going on. So then you're primed and then you go, and it's probably was a dental assistant who was supporting the hygienist and who took x-rays for you. And so that, that person comes out to get you and says, oh, hi, Barbara, we haven't met before, but my name is such and such. I'm new here. It's really nice to meet you. You're due for x-rays today, right? Right. And then that would have been two like yummy, positive, very simple things that we can do. That's part of our day. As long as our staff is trained and really just informed that this is what we want and this is how we want to be. Exactly. Same thing with the hygienist and the dentist. You know what I love too? One thing I love it when it's called, I call it positive referrals. So like if the receptionist says, Oh my gosh, your hygienist today is Cindy. Oh my, she, she's going to take great care of you. And then like the assistant could say the same thing or, or the, the hygienist about the assistant. Oh my gosh, this assistant, you know, Jan, oh, you know, she did, she's the best x-ray girl around, you know, you can't do any, like, I love that. So third party verification, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm getting the best today. Ooh, you know, I, you know, as opposed to, oh, you know, go in there, see Cindy. Oh, I got Cindy. Okay. You know, like, who is this person? Yeah. It's just those little things. Ah, I know, but let's talk about the elephant in the room. Okay. Okay. Not for anything. But the dentist, really? Not a clue that he needs to take and and make you feel special in your visit, even though it's quote unquote, just a cleaning. Yeah, I know. Kind of disappointing, huh? Most of the time, I don't even see him. Most of the time, I don't see him. He doesn't come in. Why? I don't know. I figured it wasn't part of the process. Hmm. Yeah. So it was rare that he came in. 
Now, when you talk to other docs that you work with as a consultant, is that the case? No, no, they go in. Oh my gosh. My top performers are super, it's like a family, you know, and they come in, Hey, Mrs. Jones, how's your hubby doing? You know, like they do all the things that we talk about, you know, and they're like, you can just see the customers. Yay. (laughs) So walk us through your process of, you know, retraining an entire staff so that people understand how you can help them. Well, so I don't just go in and train people. So there's a lot of work that I do beforehand. So first I do like a social media analysis or a, yeah. So I, I Google the practice. I Google practices in that area. I just kind of pretend like I'm a patient in that area, wherever they're located. And I, and I just analyze, okay, they've got this, this kind of ratings. This one comes up first when I put in this, this is, so I do all sorts of like stuff on the internet just to see who's popping up, like who your, who's your competition. Then I do mystery calls into the practice. Ah, perfect. Yeah, and I have a report that I fill out and I fill it out, you know, and I do several of them. You can't just do one, maybe someone's having a bad day. You know, I'll do like five to 10 of those depending upon how many people. I will sometimes do a mystery patient visit. So I'll come in and um, just go through the whole process. And of course, I'll just say like I have a toothache or something and I, but I try to meet with each one of the people just to see how, what their touch points are. And like one of my clients, just even the door walking in, it was very strange. Like I, I walked to up to the door. So the door, the door, there were two doors. There were two doors, like one on this side, one on this side. And I, and there was like a wall in front of me and I didn't know which door to go in because the address, the number's right there, but there's two doors. And so I'm standing there and I'm like, left or right, left or right for a couple minutes. And then finally I look through the door and I saw, oh, dentist. And then over here, uh, Jim. But like, that's a touch point that like, why is that not right in front of me? You know, like dentist that way, Jim that way. You know, I, I can't be the only one having a pro- So I kind of walked in disheveled, you know, so... I do the whole patient experience with my clients. After that, then I will interview some of the the employees. I'll just talk to them on the phone, kind of get their lingo, hear what their challenges are. I'll talk to the managers, of course, the leaders and get their take. After that, I do the trainings. So I'll do one for leaders and then I'll do one for the staff. And then after that, I'll follow up. I give them a, a protocol. I help create a protocol. Like when a patient drives in, text immediately to let them know that they've arrived. So just stuff like that. So I give them a protocol so they can be held accountable. And then after that, I do follow-up phone calls. The mystery also, just to make sure? Well, sometimes if they want me to, I will. I'll do before and after to see the difference. Or I'll just call the, talk to the leadership team and kind of answer questions, help them, you know, with what challenges they may have. Wow. You know, it, it seems like such a simple thing, right? Why do so few people pay attention to it, especially now where, you know, we've got 25% of the population that's not coming back to the dentist anytime soon. I don't know why they're not doing it. It's a good question, MJ, because <laughs> this is the easy piece. You know, does it, co- does it cost a lot of money? You know, it just takes a little bit of effort, you know, to be present with each customer, each moment to create that wow. So do you know automatically when an office is not going to be successful because of the leadership? Pretty much. 
Yeah. Like in the initial interview, if they're talking, you know, if they're placing blame and they're like, well, you know, it's that front, just get rid of that front desk person, you know, and everything will be fine. I'm like, really? <laughs> blame everything on that one person? I don't know about that. You know, you can tell. I can tell. Yeah. Well, this is, this is awesome. So, you know, how, you know, transitioning from chemistry, which is pretty dry, right? <laughs> Sorry. Obviously you love people because you can see that in your personality. And that's probably why you gravitated towards loving the training piece, right? So you fast forward to, you know, skill path. Did they train you to become a speaker or did you just naturally no. do it? No, apparently it's one of my skills. Yeah. Yeah. And what I think is very interesting is I'm actually extremely introverted. So I don't like with my friends and when I go out in public, I'm very quiet and shy and I won't speak up. But if I'm giving a presentation, oh, I'm completely the opposite. <laughs> so is it almost like you're, the, you're a different character then? Kind of. Yeah. Wow. I find that fascinating because, you know, even before we started the podcast, I could tell you were a little bit anxious and I knew that, that, that you were like a little uncomfortable. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, she's such a vivacious personality. This does not fit. But now it makes sense why I was noticing those cues. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So, you know, have you gone through the you know, National Speaker Bureau, any of that stuff? Are you involved in that at all? So I am, uh, first of all, Toastmaster. If, if anyone needs to get better at public speaking, I recommend Toastmasters. I agree. I've done it myself too. Right. So Toastmasters, I joined Toastmasters years ago. And then I, so I became an accredited speaker with Toastmasters. There's only like, I think 83 of us. And then with NSA, I am the uh, CSP, Certified Speaking Professional with NSA. And check this out. There's only three women in the world that have both of those. Nice job. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Kudos to you. That's pretty impressive. In the world? In the world. There's three that have both of those designations. Yeah. There's a lot that have the CSP and a lot that have the AS, but three that have both. Wow, that, that's impressive. So along the way, how were your experiences in speaking during those competitions? I mean, you know, was it tough? <laughs> I love the expression. Oh, yeah, I don't like those competition things. Why? Yeah. Why? Um, well, the nothing against Toastmaster, but this Toastmaster competitions, it's more about, are you moving correctly? And, you know, every word matters. But what I do, when I do presentations, I kind of just talk. And, you know, let's talk about customer service. Why is this important? And it's less about like, did I move my hand over here and look to the sky? You know, it's less about that. It's more about the content. I want to relate to my audience. So what I did learn from Toastmasters is platform skills and, you know, the ums and the ahs and moving, pacing back and forth. It's all great for that. You know, and confidence, gaining confidence. How do you think, I mean, 
I, I spoke for 10 years. All I, all I developed was platform skills. So if you want to develop confidence in speaking, you got to speak, right? So that's why Toastmasters is good. You have to do it every Friday or once a week. You have to practice and that's how you can gain that confidence. Like I'm sure being a dentist, your first procedure, I'm sure you're like, oh, what am I doing? Oh my gosh, your heart just pounds out of your chest. Yeah, you're like, I got this. I got this, you know, I, I'm good enough. I am enough, you know? And then you, you start becoming... Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh my gosh, unbelievable. So who in who in your life has given you the best piece of advice and what was it? Oh, that has to be my mom. Ah. My mom just passed away in November. Wah, wah. But you know, she was very, very sick. So it's very good for everybody. But she always said, kill them with kindness. Kill them with kindness. And that's true in personal relationships. It's true in customer service. It's true with patients. You don't have to like someone. You don't have to agree with someone, but we, we can be respectful and we can be kind. And ugh, can you imagine if everyone in the world did this? We would have world peace, MJ. You know what? If it were up to us women, we'd already be there. I know it. I know it. I know it. It's all the boys. They get so competitive, you know? <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. You know, I say that jokingly because not, not all men like to go to battle, but obviously there's a fair share that do. And, you know, rightly so in some situations. But I think at this point in our evolution that we have evolved enough where, you know, let's just sit down and try to collaborate. Right. Exactly. We both have our needs. Let's figure out what your needs are, what my needs are, and let's see if we can meet in the middle and make everybody happy. I agree. You're not going to get everything that you want. The other person is never going to get everything that they want. But is there a way that we can get to the middle and just agree on that and walk away satisfied? Exactly. Right? And then everybody's happy. I know. I like it. We don't have to blow things up or people that's, up or that's right. whatever. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I think you've already answered this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What would people be surprised to know about you? Oh, just probably the introverted thing. That's what I was thinking, you know, because that did surprise me. Like, you know, when we first met you, vivacious personality, you know, I, I would never have guessed you were an introvert. Right. Yeah. Like networking at that event, that thing. Oh, that kills me. Oh, really? Oh, it's so hard. Oh, <laughs> but being on the stage, no problem. But you know, now, isn't it interesting because you could probably use the same skills in networking as you do on the stage, right? You just put on that persona. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Easier said than done, right? I can do it. <laughs> you know, this is a good question for you. So what kind of obstacles in your life have you overcome that you're most proud of? Oh, I think uh, for me, it would have to, and I wouldn't say it necessarily an obstacle, but switching from being a chemist, like quitting my career, because I was doing pretty well, you know, and just 
quitting that. And then I had eight months of where I didn't know what I was going to do. And then becoming a seminar leader. I mean, like that transition, I'm the most proud of because I could still be a, I mean, think about people who stay in the same jobs that they hate for 50 years. I know. Right. So I'm proud of myself for recognizing that wasn't my a fit for me and then finding something that was. So that to me is, and luckily I was single at that point. So I didn't have, you know, other people relying on me, you know, for income. So I was able to get out of <laughs> Well, you know what, what I think that is most um, in, in inspiring about that story is that you, you didn't want to look back on your life with regrets. I think that's one of my favorite things to talk about is I don't want to ever have regrets. I don't want this nagging idea to, to be in my mind and four years later say, oh, I wish I had done that, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, it's always about, you know, okay, I don't know if I can do this, but I'm just jumping. And I may even go like this. <laughs> because I don't want to see, but I'm just going to jump. And so I think, you know, that courage, some of us have it, some of us don't. Sometimes I wish I didn't have as much courage sometimes because I'm like, oh God, did I really make the right step? But most, you know, I think that we always, if we reflect back on our lives, we're always in the right place at the right time. Things always happen for the right reason. Right. And even if you do make a mistake, okay, so what? Really? Exactly. So what do you yeah. have to do? Where do you have to go? What do you have to go back to and make a better decision at? I saw this speaker once and he said, rarely in life do you go from point A to point B. You know, like, I, okay, I want to be here. Okay, I'm, I'm 16 and I want to do this. Rarely do you ever go in a straight line. Most people are like, okay, okay. And then okay, I'm going to go here and then here, but they eventually end up somewhere. That's right. So the point is like, if you just take action, it doesn't have to be perfect action. It could be failure, you know, but you're taking action and you're moving. You're still moving forward. I agree. And, and I was talking about this the other day in, a, in another podcast that I was um, doing was that, you know, sometimes the road is, is really cloudy and foggy and you don't know what's ahead but just driving just a little bit, right? Allows you to see more of that road ahead of you. Okay, that's clear. Okay, I can go a little bit more. That's clear, I can go a little bit more. Oh shit, I didn't think about that. You know, backtrack a little bit and, and maneuver, right? And I think that, that too many times um, people get frozen, frozen in place because the inevitable fear takes over. And what I have learned is that fear is all up here. It does not exist out here. And that the only way to combat that is action. Right. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so um, when you reflect back, do you think that, that when you were younger that you were extremely confident? Because, okay, so when I see you speak, when I was first introduced to you, I saw a, an extremely confident woman. So was that an innate quality that you had or is that something that you have developed over time? No, I, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when I was a little girl, I was so shy. I was scared of everything. I would hide behind my mother's skirt and 
up through uh, in school, everything. I was super shy and quiet and wouldn't speak up and, uh, and until, and I had this like epiphany one day, I was a senior in high school. I'll never forget this. I was a senior in high school and there was a girl sitting next to me and she had her notebook on her desk and on her notebook was a sticker that read, why be normal? Love that. Why be normal? Well, hot damn. My mom said, I came home a different girl that day. She said, I mean, like I, all of a sudden I'm like in air bands and I was running for a student office. And she said, I was a completely different girl that came home and I felt it. Like, I was like, I didn't really care so much about what people thought anymore. You know, I, well, of course you do when you're a teenager, but a lot less. I was like, you know, why be normal? You know, there isn't normal. And I even got a, my license plate. I got a why be normal license plate. <laughs> oh my God. Good for you. And you know what? It's so true. I think that um, so often we want to try to conform when we're younger. Right. And we want to be like everybody else. Right. Like, oh my gosh, you got to be in the cool group. Right. And you got to be with the cool girls. Right. You can't be yourself. And I remember looking at some of those cool girls and thinking, well, I don't want to be them. They're not nice. You know, like they're not nice to the, you know, to the people that may be a little bit heavier than they are. They aren't nice to, to anybody that's not like them. And I remember in eighth grade, I, I remember, cause that was the first year I went from parochial school to public school. And I remember thinking, oh, if that's what I have to do to be in with the cool girls, I'm not going to be a cool girl. Yeah, good. And I just, I realized very early on that there's a way to be nice and there's a way to be cool at the same time. And you don't have to be nasty. That's right. Mm. That's right. It's really too bad. I wish younger girls could understand that earlier. But, you know, I don't know if you remember sixth grade. I remember watching my daughter go through sixth grade and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't like any of these girls. <laughs> I know. I don't. Yeah. You couldn't pay me enough to go back there. <laughs> no, I know. I know. So do you have a personal model that you live by? Um, well, I like the why be normal. And then I saw this one probably three years ago, three words, another three word one. And that is I am enough. You are. We all are. We all are. Right. But especially women in particular, I'm not skinny enough. I'm not uh, athletic enough. I'm not tall, you know, but no, we are enough at work and at home and everywhere. So that's another one of my new ones. I like that one. I like that one uh, a lot. So as an outsider to the dental profession, and you're not really an outsider, but you're not a trained, you know, professional in the in provider in the industry, you know, what is the best piece of advice you could give a dental team from your perspective? You know, being being in your position and reflecting back on the work that you do and some of the interactions that you've had, in fact, the interaction with your own dentist. But, you know, we have a lot of young providers coming out of school these days. Right. And, you know, what do they need to be careful of to make sure that they don't go past a certain line when they're in their practices and treating a patient. I, I generally will say, and I'll, I'll just lead with this, you know, the person that you have your hands in, that the mouth that you have your hands in is a person. 
And they're always going to be a person and you have to treat them as a human being, not as an achievement because you accomplish one more, you know, project for graduation. So what, what's the best piece of advice that you could give young professionals? What I would try and do, I always want people to see the big picture, you know, like, like, why are they going into dentistry is because of the money? Well, if that's it, you probably may not last long, but like, what is your, like, do you just love, you just love, I mean, cause teeth are so important, right? I mean, it's, it's part of our, our appearance, you know, and how people perceive us. So is it that you want to make people beautiful inside and out? Or if, if someone is clear, no matter what they do, if they're clear on their vision, their why, why are they doing it? Then when they go into practice and they've got all the crap, you know, like the personnel issues, they can get beyond it because they have the big picture. And if they teach their team members, hey, this is our vision. This is the vision of our practice. You know, do you buy into it? You know, every patient is a human, like you said, and, and we create beautiful people inside and out. I mean, did you guys buy into this? If you do, you'll all be working toward the same goal positively. You know, so for me, that's kind of it. It's, it's a bigger picture vision. You know, what is it? Do you buy into it? Because that will help you in the long term. And I do believe strongly, and I think you're spot on with that. I do believe strongly that that as long as everybody is engaged in the vision, it creates the most amazing culture. Because no matter how bad the day gets, no matter how emergency, how many emergencies come in, that they're all focused on, okay, we can do this. We'll get to the end of the day. We'll clean up. Everything will be fine, but we can do this and we're not going to, to even compromise one second on what our vision and our goal is. Absolutely. Right. And I think that keeps people moving forward. Exactly. And then like celebrate, you know, like that I had one of my clients, they actually had wine at work. So when they were having a particularly bad day, like in the middle of it, one of the dentists would be like, okay, so... Today is one of those days we've got the refrigerator, you know, <laughs> so they would have like a little, oh, okay, you know, let's keep going, you know, so they had on, they would have a rewards, they, they did all sorts of positive stuff too, you know. I must say there's two things that people always shook their head at. I always had a jar of candy on the counter in my office, lint candies, okay, and people would always ask, Dr. Hanlon, why do you have lint candies on the counter? And I would say, it's okay to have one. You just need to brush your teeth afterwards. And if you can remember that, whenever you're having something sweet, it's okay. But you just have to take care of them. Okay. I was fortunate enough to have the space and I had an entire break room below my office. So in the basement of my, my condo. And I had as much space down there as I had footprint for my office. So it was, it was ridiculous, but was, it came in very handy. And I set it up so that, you know, we had some equipment down there for exercise. We had a, a shower stall and a bathroom and everything. And then we had a mini kitchen and we always had wine in the, oh. in the refrigerator. <laughs> always had wine now never would allow them to drink it during the day obviously but you know at a particularly tough day we'd all go downstairs sit around 
just de-stress before we go home. Because one of the things that I always taught my team, uh, you know, right from the very beginning is, okay, I know things can happen at home, but it can't affect what we do here. So see that bush on the door next to the door on the way in? You just take and lead those, leave those troubles right there on that bush. And when you're done tonight, they'll be there waiting for you and you can take them home if you want. But maybe if you leave them there and you don't bring them in, they kind of might be gone by the time you get out. And so more, more times than not, you know, that worked really like a miracle because people would always, you know, my team would say, my gosh, why can't I just remember this not to take my stuff to work and not to take my work home? Because, you know, it impacts the night, right? For the rest of the night with your family and your family deserves you to be your best when you get home. Exactly. So I have enjoyed our conversation tremendously, Barbara. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your insight into customer service. So if somebody is interested in having you come and talk to their team, where can they find you? Well, they can simply go to my website, which is my name, which is hard to spell, but you'll help them. So it's barbarakazam.com. I will certainly have it on the, on the video, so not a problem. <laughs> Thank you, Barbara, so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.